You know what, Jamie? Let's pop off right now. We gotta get started. Oh, we gotta go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get the people in the chat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hit and Hustle from IRSportsDaily.com. I'm your host, Greg Flamong, and with me, as always, is Jamie Uyama, Mr. Jamie University. It is Wednesday, November 22nd, and it is special Thanksgiving mailbag edition. Uh, only one show this week because of the Thanksgiving holiday that is taking place tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners and subscribers, and everyone subscribe to IRSportsDaily.com. And Notre Dame fans everywhere, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Hope it's a great holiday for you. We're going to have a bunch of questions today talking about the learning football team, a lot of questions about the offense, offensive coordinator, um, and, and all aspects of the team. So thank you, everyone, for being here. If this is your first time, please hit the like, please hit the subscribe button, and please hit the notification bell so you know whenever it is we are going live. Links to the podcast are in the description below. And before we get going, Jamie, Steve Miller with a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, treat for us a, a nice super chat from him uh hank happy thanksgiving all oh, sorry to miss the live show but i look forward to listening later thanks to greg and jamie and the whole isd team for enriching our fandom hoping for a solid and stress-free win to close the regular season um so thank you very much uh steve for that contribution yeah awesome our, steve our thanks channel. so much that, that's that's very very nice um so we'll be talking about that uh as we as we get going and we'll get a bunch of listener questions uh jamie i missed you man i I missed you i was it was in south bend over the weekend we haven't spoken about the game uh you and mike did a really good job on the uh on the live show uh once it got going i guess that's my bad on uh i i don't know i i thought you guys like i thought you guys i thought mike had it's whatever we don't need to get into it i I thought because i have done post game shows with mike before Right. where he's sent the link. So I just kind of thought, and then he yeah. just messaged me right after. He's like, hey, are you going to send the link? And I was like, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, uh, I think we got it off. Christian helped. So it, it all went well. So thank, thank you, everyone, for tuning into that as well. Um, Mitchell Vahilek, uh <laughs> asking about uh, TJ Sheffield, former Notre Dame wide receiver commit TJ Sheffield in the portal. Um, what I would say to that is they don't need the slot guys. <laughs> They don't, yeah. they don't like, honestly, wh- wh- who would you rather have like TJ Sheffield or uh, Jordan Faison? Right. Like I, I think Jordan Faison it very well fits that bill. Um, and I think that he's going to be a, a good option there. Notre Dame has plenty of slot options. Uh, they need a, they need a, a, a boundary guy. Number one type. Um, that's what I would say to that. Uh, Jamie and uh, thinking of Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving treats for the people uh esq has a special uh thanksgiving and holiday treat for everyone uh and there's no better gift for your husband your father your brother son nephew whoever it may be whatever man it is in your life that you want to um indulge on uh with esq's bamboo dress shirt which you've seen on your favorite coaches and players notre dame favorite coaches and players it's the world's most comfortable dress shirt made of sustainable bamboo fibers the bamboo shirt is naturally odor resistant Wrinkle resistant and even machine washable. Also three degrees cooler than cotton. So you can sweat it out watching games for the remainder of the season. Get ahead of the holiday season. Use ISD 25 to get 25% off your online purchase at esqclothing.com or visit Ga at his Chicago showroom to get your perfect custom fit. That's ISD 25 for 25% off. Uh, BJ's asking, 
our BGs asking if Cam Williams is a boundary guy. I think Cam Williams is kind of a everywhere guy. He, he's very versatile. He, you could see him on the boundary. Uh, you could see him in the slot. You could see him um, into the field. So he's he's kind of a do everything, which is why um, everyone's kind of so high on him. Yeah. So uh, Jamie, I don't think he'll be a. I don't think he'll be a boundary right away though. So I think like people kind of looking for that right away from him. I would say a lot similar to Equinemia St. Brown when he first yeah. came and it, he started up and he was backing up Will Fuller at the field. And then he yeah. moved to the boundary as a sophomore and obviously started and had a big year. Um, and I think that's probably more of Cam Williams. It's, it's, it's the most physical, easily the most physical position out of all the wide receiver positions. Uh, you, you have to go against press a lot yeah. and not too many wide receivers and freshman wide receivers are going to do well against a good press corner, it, you know, right away. It's just, mm-hmm. it's very hard. It's, it's, I mean, some of it is strength. Some of it's just like technique and working on releases and stuff that you just learn over time. So I don't think he's a boundary guy right away. And obviously Micah Gilbert is a boundary. So he, he's probably someone who's going to uh, start there not start, but he'll come in as a boundary. Plus, I, I like the idea of Cam operating in more space out there to the field. I, I think that would be very well. Uh, that would work out very well with his skill set. So, uh, but I think he could. Like eventually, he could move to that position and uh, and be kind of a dominant, dominant, uh, dominant player out there. Um, Jacob Paulus says um, thoughts on the team traveling to California a day later than typical. Um, I think it's fine, honestly. Like I. I this late in the year, like I think, you know, maybe if there was an accumulation effect with, with more games coming after, it might be a bigger deal. But I think it's – I don't think it matters either way in terms of the outcome from the way that they play. They should be able to to handle anything like that. Um, you know, there's there's positives and negatives. I, I don't want to say it's uh, – I don't want to say it's one way or the other. I, I, don't, I don't know that we can, we can really make the case for that. Um, uh, Jacob's asking, did you, did, Jamie, do you celebrate Thanksgiving in October or do you do both? I mean, I, I celebrated in Thanksgiving. That's for those that don't know it's Canadian Thanksgiving. No yeah. idea why. I guess we just like, you know, the pilgrims did their thing in October here compared yeah. to November. <laughs> I have no idea why it's different. Uh, but let's be honest. I, I celebrate, uh, you know, obviously I, I lived in the States. I went to school there, uh, I've eaten Thanksgiving dinner in, yeah. in uh, I've been there black Friday and all that before it was like an online thing before when people were like waiting in line for whatever. Uh, but come on, it's, it's football. So I, I, I still celebrate. I celebrate Perfect. in my own way in, in watching football all day. And it's great. And we, and we, and we thank you for that, Jamie. We're very, very thankful for football <laughs> and, uh, and things of that nature. All right, let's do the questions. And then we'll get into some Stanford stuff a little bit later. Uh, Mavs coach asked the first question, what is the timetable for players making their decisions on whether or not to come back to Notre Dame or go to the NFL? Um, I think usually what happens is they want to decide before the bowl game. Um, that's usually how it goes because they want to get ramped up for that. Um, and kind of Marcus Freeman's thing is like, if you announce you're not, you're not going to be playing in the bowl game. So um you know, we'll see, but I think soon after the, like a week after the bowl game is when guys will make their decision. Um, so like, we'll probably see Joe Alt announce ahead of time 
we might see. Uh, but and if he doesn't, then it means he's, he wants to play in the bowl game. There's kind of a discussion about that with with a possible matchup with LSU this year. Um, you know, you, you might want to. <laughs> you it might not be like last year, right? Like if it's going to be against Brian Kelly's team, you, you might want to play in that one, and that might be a, a little bit more enticing for players. But um, usually, it would be before the bowl game or in the week or two kind of after the bowl game uh, ends. Uh, what do you think, Jamie? Yeah, it's different now than it was before because uh, there's so much roster uh, turnover in terms of like yeah. the portal and all that. Like, let's be honest, there's guys that are after this game. will, you know, there's probably not a lot of guys, but a few guys I think will probably enter the portal yeah. after this game from Notre Dame. That's just how it is because they want to get uh, a head start or announce that they're going to enter the portal because yeah. the portal opens in December and these guys want people to know that they're, you know, available and, and for people to look at them and get film on them and evaluate them so they can possibly visit some places uh, before they make a decision, um, you know, and get a bunch of offers. Um, so, you know, that is quicker. There's also the early signing day. Uh, there's a lot of, you uh, there's a there's a lot of like who you're gonna add who's gonna who's gonna be back who's not the next semester starts right so um we're before where there was like convincing of like say after 2017 and they convince like okay coney tranquil tillery like you know we're gonna try to convince you to come back yeah that those kind of decisions happen quicker so like you said like greg said it's typically right after and most guys know already and could they change your mind sure it happens right it does happen uh but they have a really good idea with most of the guys already uh very few of them will change their mind just maybe maybe a, a one or two possibly yeah 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 um and greg wasserman uh points out in the chat uh portal opens december 4th um so they get their name out there so pretty soon after like they're going to, they're going to want to, they're going to want people to know like, Hey, I'm in, um, and come, you know, come, come check me out. So that's what's going to be the case there. Um, all right. Stash 88 with a, with a, with a plethora of questions for us. So we're going to try to do a little bit of rapid fire here. Um, some of these will take a little bit more time, um, than others. Uh, the first one, do you think Notre Dame is aiming high enough in recruiting? Are they going after enough five-star quality players. And we have another question about this uh, regarding 2025, especially. Um, and I think that's where this is kind of geared at also a little bit of 24 as well. But um, what do you think, Jamie, on this? Like, do you think the, the question that's coming later and we'll, we'll get to it, we'll name the, who the poster is, but um, oops, I got to go back here. Um, th th do you think Notre Dame is, is aiming, isn't aiming high enough in the 2025 class? Are they taking some guys a little bit early? Um, so guys, you, they know that they can, they can get committed, um, in the word, the other poster used was settling. Do you think Notre Dame's settling a little bit in 2025? No, because the big reason is that these guys, all the guys that, that don't have the rankings that people are kind of, um, you know, jazzed about. Yeah. All of those guys have camped at Notre Dame. So yeah. they evaluated them in person and, it's just one of those things, obviously, too. If you can't trust your own eyes and what you see there when you, you get to work out a guy in person and you get that kind of 
uh, workout and, and you get testing numbers, verified that you guys did the testing, all that kind of stuff, you know, verified measurables, all that, that is worth more than any ranking. It is. And, you know, we can say this, they took this guy too soon, or someone can say that this, they took this guy too soon, but when they've had them there, it, it's a, it's a lot different than just going off a recommendation of someone mm. or even just seeing the film. Cause obviously the film is, is, you know, paramount, you know, most of the time, but an in-person evaluation, getting all these other things matters. It, it definitely yeah. matters. And, um, you know, let me just double check on the, the actual number of guys, but I think it's eight, right? Yeah. So they, but so out of these guys, you know, like reef, Thurman, uh, Hulak, and Anderson all camped at Notre Dame in the summer. So yeah. all those guys, if Ivan Taylor, who everybody, you know, is trending towards Notre Dame, first of all, he's obviously a high recruit anyways, but he's another guy. They camped at Notre Dame in the summer, right? That's a lot of guys. First of all, that's a good job by them getting these guys on campus and, you know, being able to value them. But it's like, you go there and you look and you see, and it's like, man, these are taking these guys too early. It'd be different if they didn't get them on campus and had that look and had all these other things that they, they thought that, you know, hit these markers that they're looking for. Um, and I think that's the big difference. And I'm not saying that, uh, I think most fans, you should want, uh, so like how you're looking at it right now. So like say Texas A&M, they obviously are going through all their stuff right now. And so Cam Coleman is the five-star receiver. Looks like looks like maybe he's going to flip to Auburn or whatever. It's like, hmm. boy, wouldn't it be nice if Notre Dame was in on a Cam Coleman or something like that? He's yeah. able to like – that was what they were doing at the end of this thing was trying to flip somebody, right? Um, well, if – you know, that, that would be great. And I think that is kind of maybe what they're uh, missing a little bit if they just had – a couple more of those things, but outside of that, I really don't think it's that big of a problem. Yeah. Um, and, and Jacob Paulus points out in the chat, like we have to remember like guys like uh, Bryce Young is a top 100 player now. Like he's a top, I think 80 player by composite, just on the composite. Kedron Young is 102 where he was, I think when he committed, he was, he was around the three hundreds. Yeah. So kind of like a lower four star. And now he's like a higher five star, right? Like, Guys like that are you have you have that, and then you have other guys who kind of stay where they're at, but they become good players. You know, lest we forget, like Ben Morrison was in the three hundreds as a recruit, right? And everyone, everyone liked him. Obviously, Bama was after him. Washington was after him very hard. Um, he he turned out to be a very good player, right? So I think, like you said, Jamie, I, a I think that the the cycle is young. It's a young cycle. At, the, at this moment and be like if, if they have their own evaluations like you said you have to trust your own eyes and what you like and what you think is going to fit into the program so it, when it's early like this you know I, I don't like to go in too hard on 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 rankings and and things of that nature like they just picked up Cree Thomas who's a three-star right now also from Brophy Prep where um Ben Morrison is from like, if you take a guy from Brophy who you had a player just like him, who who was rated similar to him and he turned out to be a generational type corner for you. 
I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna accept that as good rather than looking at his star ranking. So that's kind of how I view it. Um, you know, I, I do think that there's there's I think there's a lot more sophistication in the way that I think fans as well think about star ratings with with high school athletes now. Like there's a lot more that goes into it, and I think people are getting a lot better at um, I think people are getting a lot better at sussing out like star rankings versus like the potential of an athlete. Um, and I encourage everyone else to kind of look on that as well. Um, Matt McCarthy, thank you for the, for the the comment here. I don't want to bring it up on the show because that sounds to me like that is uh, information, premium information that came from their message board and um, 247's message board. I don't want to, uh, I don't, I don't want to put their premium info out on our public podcast. Um, that's just kind of a, uh, a, a rule, I guess, for a better way to put it. Um, so that's, that's what that is. So, uh, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to get into it, but thank you for, you're always on the show and I, I'm just not like, I'm not, not like mad or anything. I'm just point that out. Um, all right, next question. Who would you like to see Notre Dame play against in a bowl game? Uh, I think the, the two popular teams right now are LSU and Tennessee. I'd much rather play Tennessee, uh, unless I know Jaden Daniels isn't playing in the bowl game. Right. I mean, then sure. I mean, Jaden Daniels, uh, Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors. Uh, if all uh, those guys are playing in the bowl game, yes, play LSU. I, I think I think the wide receiver Brian Thomas probably won't play yeah. because he won't have Jaden Daniels. Um, yeah, I mean that would be. I mean that would be this. And like, it would be fun. It would be a stuff. fun story because it's it's BK. Uh, it's Mike yeah. Denbrock. Uh, you know, BK obviously talked his stuff after he left. Yeah. Uh, it's would be. I mean, Logan most, Diggs as well. Logan Diggs. A ton of people would watch that game. Yes. Oh, yeah. They would be watching. It would do huge numbers. People should. <laughs> uh, I mean, the television people and the bowl people should be rooting for that. They should yeah. be rooting that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion on Angeli as a potential starter in 2024? Um, listen, I, I, we've mentioned it before, like there's, he's looked good every time we've seen him. Um, we've only seen him at home really in the Navy game and it's always in blowouts, right? Every time he's come in, it's been an advantageous situation for him. Uh, we haven't seen him on the road, right? We haven't seen him in a situation where it, you gotta, you gotta have it type thing, right? Like, so, you know, it, I like him. I, I always thought he looked good. I love how he looks in warmups. I, I think the ball comes off his hand nice. He's he spins it really well. Um, I I, I would it would it's intriguing to me if he was to get a chance. At the same time, like you open the season in College Station with a new coach and a new regime, and there's going to be a ton of excitement there. And it's just like, do you trust it? Do, are you going to put the opening of your season on that? You know, may, and maybe they will. Right? Maybe they will. Um, so, you know, it, it's, I think it's possible. He's, he's definitely looked good. He's definitely shown well for himself, but um, I don't know. It, it's hard. It's hard to really like really trust that. What do you think? Yeah. And I think that uh, you're looking at situations where he's not in like third and nine on the road uh, with Texas A&M's pass rush. Right. You I mean, know, basically, like, like all the all the situations Sam Hartman has been on the road this year. Like, yeah, we yeah. haven't seen him in any of those. Yeah. So 
during camp, uh, and, uh, and obviously these are different circumstances, whatever, but just say like in, in obviously Notre Dame's defense is much better than Notre Dame's offense. Uh, you know, the sport, yeah, right? sure. everybody, for everybody sure. knows that, but uh, you know, so it was twos versus twos, you know, and he's with the twos uh, offense and they're scrimmaging uh, in, in camp that we got to the, the full day where they mostly scrimmaged for most of the, that day. And, and Jelly made a couple really nice throws, but also too, he was, you know, he was under duress uh, for pretty much the entire time. He was not, you know, and he wasn't looking great because of it. So, uh, you know, you can't, you can't judge him just based off of that. Just like you can't judge him just based off of the thing. And it's the great unknown. Right. And, but in saying that he has looked fantastic every opportunity he's gotten in these games and that matters. Cause if he looks trash, then there's no way, you know, right. Like if, if that's the case, then there's no way. Um, and there is a way. And then now you have to do is I think what it, what he's done is no matter who they get in the portal, he's put himself in a position where it's like, well, Angeli deserves a shot. He deserves a shot to compete. And that's all you can get. That's all. That's, that's the most you can a- ask for. And look at Ian book. Yeah. Ian book was, could have been easily just like an afterthought guy. He could have been, um, God, I'm forgetting his name right now. The guy, uh, that they took, who was the wake forest commit, who, uh, you know, ended up not playing ever at, at Notre Dame. They flipped them. And then, uh, Brendan Clark, right? Brendan Clark. Oh, yeah. He could have yeah. been Brendan Clark. That was the status of of Ian Book, really. And I think he was even maybe even a little bit below him in his rankings. Uh, so Brendan Clark just became like a footnote, right? He became a David Wolk, you know, like a guy who just yeah, 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 you yeah. know, nothing and just in the story, never really got in the mix and and so on and so forth, right? Uh so but Ian Book kind of competed and beat these other guys beat, beat the odds to do it so just give that now he's put himself in a position where he's got a shot and who knows like everybody's talking about angeli right now kenny minchie might be the starter he might be right he might be i seriously doubt it'll be cj Carr because you don't want to be like a true freshman on the road in that first game it's not to say that maybe he won't be start some time in 2024 or whatever but just that would be a very tough spot to put him in. Um, and it would be a tough to spot to put Menchie or Angeli in too. But like yeah. Kenny Menchie might be the starter. And no one is really talking about him right now. And we just have to to wait and see. But that's why. It's competition. Let's see what happens. I've heard from a couple of different sources on on Minchie who are not connected. Who are just like Notre Dame likes him a lot. Like they really do. They love so, him, yeah. yeah. So it's just, you know, I, I've – I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, necessarily poo poo that situation right now. I just I, I think he's good, and I think that um, you know I, I think he's gonna he's viable as a like you said, Jamie, a potential starter as well. Um, the other part too is like people say like oh you know you you want to have four quarterbacks. We, I don't think you're gonna have four. I think if they bring in a transfer, someone will go, and then you'll have three, right? And so eventually. Right. Like eventually someone will be out and I think you'll have three next year. So it's just like, that's something the way, right? Like you just have to, yeah, you got to weigh a lot of things. Um, and one of those things you have to weigh is Jared Parker. So another couple questions, do you think Jared Parker should and will be back? Um, there's so many things here. Uh, we talk about it a lot and, and 
I, I'll, I'll let you go first, Jamie, because I kind of have talked about this um, a little bit more recently, but uh, go for it. Yeah, I just think that there's, uh, you know, and I've talked to a lot of people privately about this too. Um, there are legitimate reasons why you could say uh, Parker deserves, a, you know, deserves a second season. He, he could, he should get a second season. Uh, he should, he should get another shot at it. Uh, and there's legitimate reasons why you should say they got to get somebody else, right? They yeah. got to get somebody else. Um, but it kind of goes back to what, uh, you know, you, and I know, you know, for anyone who didn't see Greg did a hit on, um, uh, a local South Bend, their ABC channel in South ABC Bend, ABC 57 kickoff show. Yeah. ABC 57's kickoff show. And, you know, was asked about it and, you know, talked about how you can't just get some, you can't just get rid of them and not have somebody better. And cause that's kind of how you ended up with Parker in the first place. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Right. So you do that. And it's not to say that, you know, cause anyone, it's easy to just say, okay, you're going to get someone and they gotta be better than Parker. Well, no, they don't, you know, that that's not necessarily how it works. It doesn't also doesn't mean like Parker in year two might not be better than he was in year one and all of these kind of things. Right. So it's all hypothetical and it's all just picking a thing, but like, just say like a guy that Greg and I have mentioned that we like in, and would fit with kind of what he's done at Oregon state and, and with their personnel, Brian Lindgren, right. Who's done a great job there. Uh, you know, they are a run heavy team, a great play action team. Uh, you know, Jonathan Smith is obviously heavily involved in the offense there too, but Lingren has been uh, an OC separately from them. And there's all these kind of things there, but you know, you're seeing the Jonathan Smith, he might get offered the Michigan state job. So if he gets offered the Michigan state job, who's going to be his OC, probably Brian Lingren, and he's going to get paid yeah. a lot. So yeah. let's just say Brian Lingren is the top choice. Well, he's probably off the list already. It's just like how and say, with all these people with the quarterbacks where people are like, man, you know what? They got to get uh, the kid from Tulane, Michael Pratt. And then they got to get, uh, you know, uh, what's his face from Cam Rising from Utah, right? Those guys, well, they're off the list. They're already off the list. So it's, it's, it's nice to say, okay, we're going to get this, but it's like, you're not always going to get like a bunch of, you, you think Bama probably thought they were getting, going to get uh, Drake May. You know, like yeah. they thought they were yeah, going to yeah, get yeah. Drake May, and they didn't, right? So it's easy to just say that you're going to go and, and get somebody better, but unless you know that you can get somebody better, and you or you have a lot of options out there that you think can do really well with it, because the other thing is you can't go and get somebody from the NFL because how they kind of waited for Al Golden in that first year. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's worked out, but it didn't work out well in that first year. And for, especially for the offense this year, it would be a bad, bad thing to have to wait for somebody who's like an assistant in the NFL that you're in. Even if that guy might do an amazing job, it's just the timelines of how it mixes with college football. That would be bad for recruiting. It would be bad for poor. It'd be bad for all of these things. So yeah. uh, bad for preparation for uh, the spring and for next year and all of that. And they just can't afford that. So it's got to make sense. It's got to make sense. And if it makes sense, then you make a move, then whatever. But it's just, I think people are, 
rushing and saying, you got to do this. And it's something Mike Frank has talked about for years and years too, because obviously he's been through a lot of Notre Dame coaching changes where he's just like, there has to be somebody in mind that you know you can get that's better. And if not, it's it's going to be – it could end up being a lot worse. Right, because I, I think we need to – there is context here that, that needs to be considered. Notre Dame is 23rd in F-plus on offense, so that's combined FEI and SB-plus ratings, right? So they're 23rd there. They're 10th in yards per play this year. They are 18th in EPA per play rushing and 21st in EPA per play passing. Like those are good numbers, right? It's not, it's not a total disaster on offense. It isn't, yeah. and and so the the what I'm my, the point I'm making with that is, and we can get into concerns as well, uh, because there are some, and we've talked about them a ton on this show over the last two three months. Um, but you know, if you get rid of Jared Parker, you're talking about probably a new all line coach, right? So that's four line coaches in in four years, right? You're talking about three different receiver, um, different, uh, offensive coordinators. You're getting rid of the, probably the, uh, you're probably getting rid of the quarterback coach. So he's out. So he was only around for a year. Chancey Stuckey, what happens with him? Dylan McCullough, what happens? I mean, you're talking about a whole overhaul on offense. Now, which isn't say that's, a, that's a, the worst thing ever. It isn't, but you do have to know like, okay, we're making all these changes. We're going to be better than 23rd in FEI. Yeah. We're going to be better than all, you know, 10th. In uh, it, we're going to be better than tenth in in yards per play. We are going to I mean, right now they're averaging what thirty seven points a game. We're like, we're going to be better than that, right? Like you do need to know. And when is Notre Dame is Notre Dame in better position this year to get a good offensive coordinator, or were they in a better position last year? And last year, now Tommy timing Reese was wise, late. it was much worse. Tom, Tommy Reese was late, so that was bad, right? So now you'd have you'd have a lot more probably viable options there. Um, but at the same time, like you won't have Sam Hartman, right. Or someone like that. Right. And so there's, there's things that have to be weighed there. Um, and the other thing that I've been thinking about is, you know, let's say Jared Parker was not an internal hire. Let's say Jared Parker was, um, he had come from wherever UCLA. I'm just throwing out a school. Let's say he was an outside hire. Would anyone be talking about firing him after year one? I, I don't. I don't think there's any way that that's true. If if it was Andy Ludwig and Andy Ludwig if had the exact same season, choice, if he was the first choice, I think that's the th that's the main thing. It's yeah. He was the fallback guy because of how it played out, and because of that, it's like everyone should. And people are like, oh, why were people ripping on him? It's like. Anyone gets hired, you should give them the benefit of the doubt right away, yeah. even no matter what choice they are, right? You should give them the benefit of the doubt and see what happens, right? And now you've seen it play out, and okay, and then you can make your judgments from there. But the big thing is that they wanted somebody else. It didn't work out for obviously not good reasons. And because of those not good reasons, it put that much more pressure on yeah. this being right. And the fact that it hasn't been everything people wanted it to be, I mean, to, to put it lightly, is why it's scrutinized so much. And it's just a bad situation for all. And unfortunately, but that's also the, the other thing that has to be realized too, is that, you know, for Marcus Freeman, he also has to think about like, okay, well, no, I am going to stick with Jerry Parker. Well, he's also got to think about if they go there and lay an egg against Texas A&M that first game, I mean, 
it's going to get hot. Like it is going to like Jared Parker is like, I mean, he's going to go from week one to look like how he's beaten down kind of now it's that that's what's going to happen right away. So all that kind of stuff has to go into it. It's, it's a very complicated things. It's right. Not always. It's not always just as simple as like, go get this guy or go get Sean Lewis. Well, you know what Sean Lewis, like, and I know realize their old line suck, but they're, they were like horrendous, a horrendous running team. Right. And it's like, yeah. well, that's not what Notre Dame just, you can't, be that and he really at at Kent State he they weren't like a big time running team either so it's like it's a completely different offense so it's yeah. like kind of like how uh Luke Fickle was like yeah you know what man I'm going air raid he goes Phil Longo right he gets Phil Longo well that has been a it's horrible been, it's been a disaster it's been a disaster hire and it might end up being fine once they get more of the right personnel in there but I mean believe me all of a sudden Luke Fickle went to him like man this guy's just like skyrocket one of the top coaches in college football to be like man this guy this guy's ruining a good thing that they had in wisconsin like that's kind of where it's at right now with him so it just it can flip like that and uh i mean it's 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 a tough it's a tough tough thing to get it right uh and you know really um it's just like one of these things it's like if al golden if they didn't play at this level but they are playing at this level and that's the point but it's just it's all these kind of things and it all has to be weighed jared parker is having a better year offensively than al golden had last year defensively yeah it's true like the numbers are that is what the numbers are scoring wise no but scoring wise no but like the numbers are the numbers like he like all the other all the stats i read off earlier like that's better than tommy reese this year it is and and so it's not to say that it's all great because look it, it it was it's better than Tommy Reese last year, but a lot of people weren't happy with Tommy Reese last year. But the, the overall point and Andy Davis says they need continuity and not all freshman wide receivers. So and and so I think for Marcus Freeman to say we are going to make a change, he would have to know that it's worth risking all the continuity and all that other stuff. And he is this person coming in is going to be better for us. He has to know that. And so it's just a very difficult situation for him. Um, it is. It's so, um, and we'll probably get into some more uh, kind of the negatives, the questions we have on Parker a little bit later, because I believe we have a question for that as well. Um, if Al Golden leaves, who are some coaches who would be a good replacement? Um, I don't know if he means outside hire or inside hire. I think Mike Mickens would be a very popular choice. Um it's kind of hard to say from an outside higher point of view. I mean, they'd have a lot of good ones, but I don't know. I, I'd, I'd really lean towards like keeping what's going on, like keeping that going because what they got is really. I'd good. be surprised if Mickens wasn't promoted if, if, if yeah. Golden leaves. Yeah. Uh, is there one person, maybe a veteran coach who you'd like to see get Notre Dame as an analyst? Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? No. Not, not, not one person. And I also think too, like getting like a veteran coach, I think a lot of that kind of thing, it's like, um, I mean, it's been good for Alabama. They get all like, basically they get like an all-star, you know, team of, of coaches of these guys who are like former coaches, they bring them in. And obviously there's a lot of these guys are good, but they're there. Um, and it's not like they're not doing a good job, but they're looking for the next job right away. Right. That's yeah. kind of what it is. So I think it's just different depending on what 
um, the staff is looking for because a lot of times the best analysts are guys that like no one's ever heard of. They're like young guys in the come up who say, who see things from a different perspective and can offer different, um, you know, they're grinders or guys who aren't married. They're not like thinking about anything but ball. And so they're just focused on all these other little things yeah. that maybe other people aren't. And they're like the next, you know, all these guys who like, you know, are the, the, the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree that have like gone on and done all these things who, who work for the Fortnite or the Mike Shanahan coach tree who, you know, and then it's went to uh, McVay and then uh, Kyle Shanahan, all these guys <coughs> who have worked along the way. All those guys started as like, like grunt video coordinator, like all these guys. So it's just like, it doesn't it like you can get the next best guy or the best guy for the job doesn't have to be a veteran coach. So I don't always think that it's like the the perfect fit, unless there's somebody who has like a previous relationship you with that you like, you know, that like, man, this guy is just going to bring in something yeah. that um, he knows ball and he's someone that I can lean on. So like why John McNulty was such a good fit and obviously he was a position coach, but like, John McNulty was like a perfect fit with like Tommy Reese because he could be this like great sounding board. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously he had done all these things and was like, uh, had work, they had a previous working relationship when he was on the chargers and all this kind of stuff. So um, it just depends. Um, when do you think, when do you think Notre Dame's receiving course can become court can become elite? Uh I don't know. I think it's a lot to ask for, for them to be elite next year, even though I think they're going to greatly benefit from all these guys playing so much this year. Um, but I think you have to have enough guys that are just like, who are truly elite. And there's just very few guys that are, um, that aren't like freak athletes that are, 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 are truly elite guys as sophomores. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like Will Fuller was like, monster breakout year as a sophomore well the guy also ran like a 4 three forty, you know right like and and there were things about him that helped him become that michael floyd was like a five-star stud just guy right away you know golden tate was obviously had special traits that made him like that so you got to have those kind of guys and it's like i couldn't sit tell you right now that all of a sudden i think rico flores and jay greathouse are going to be better next year like Jordan Faison is going to be better next year. Maybe Braylon James is going to be like a, a guy who takes a picture. Tobias Merriweather could be a guy who takes a picture. All these kind of things could happen. Chris Tyree could come back and take a big jump as a second year in, in, in receiver. But I think it would be presumptuous to say like, man, they're going to be elite next year, right? So it's probably more likely that they're set up for 2025. And, that, and that's also just the reality of where the recruiting is at because – Let's face it, this class right now that's freshman, most players in college football, it's not until year three that they hit like, you know, a different kind of level. And most of the guys are going to be in year two next year. So yeah. it's just, it's just how it is. Um, what do you think of Marcus Freeman's stated desire to become a D-line and O-line driven program? Do you think that this portrays a desire to be a run first program? Do you think recruits see the program in that way? If so, what impact do you think that was with the elite wide receiver? Do you think such a program can win a title in today's college football world? Um, I think, look, he has to lean into what Notre Dame is always going to be good at. They're always going to be good on the offensive line. 
They are always going to be good, or they should always be good on the defensive line. Like that is that is football. Winning in the trenches, it is oh it is always important. Right? It is an important thing all the time. And that's what Notre Dame recruits best. And so that's what you lean into. Um, I think like the whole trestle ball thing is way overplayed. I don't even know what it means at this point. Like, I don't what even do know. people it's mean like, by that? It's ridiculous. Like, I, I, I don't know what people mean by that term, but like this is not a secret. Like you have to be physical and whether, whether you can with such a program can win a title in 22. This is what Georgia is. That is their whole thing. Like Georgia is a O line and, and running game and D line driven program. And they are the favorite to win three straight championships. Like that is the model. Like Notre Dame, I think they absolutely need to lean into that. Um, you just got to get guys who it's like, look at you. You can win one on one. Like, I, if I was a wide receiver, honestly, this is a very good style of offense because this is what the NFL is doing. You need to be able to play in an offense like this, and Notre Dame needs to be able to teach guys to play in an offense like this. That is the biggest key for them. It's a difficult offense to teach because it's not just single read, spread out, run like that. That's the problem a lot of guys have going from college to the NFL is they, they are not used to running concepts like this. They're not used to having to read a defense like that. Like that, this is a problem for them. Why do you think, why do you think Sean McVay is like, Hey, I want Kyron Williams on my team. Cause I don't have to teach him all this other stuff. Cause he already did it in college. Like that is a huge benefit to him, right? College uh, pro teams want what Notre Dame is doing offensively. They just need to be able to execute it better. And they need to be able to teach it better. And that's, that's the issue that Notre Dame has. I, I think they're doing the absolute right thing. And Marcus Freeman is doing the absolute right thing by emphasizing what he does offensively. Yeah, I, I just think that, um, first of all, too, the trestle ball thing, I just think is so dumb. I think it's the stupidest thing ever. I have no idea why that's a thing that people are like, well, look at how they're playing. It's like, well, you mean giving Audric uh, estimate three carries in the second half of, of Clemson? That's definitely not trestle ball, right? Like, yeah. quote, unquote, trestle ball. So what are you talking about here? Like, what? Like, what are people talking about with this? It's like, no, they just, it's just because it's not successful. So they're like, well, I got to point to this. It's like, guess what? Notre Dame, the way they recruit offensive line, the way they recruit, uh, you know, defensive line, that is a massive advantage in college football. That is a massive advantage because you look at these teams that try, you can't build uh, an offensive line and defensive line through the portal. You can't, you can find some receivers, you can maybe you can maybe find a quarterback, right? You can you can find some other skill guys. You might be able to find one guy, one or two guys on the defense line, maybe one or two guys on the offensive line. But you have to recruit and develop there because you can't just get guys who plug and play who are later on because those guys are already going to the NFL or they're already playing for Georgia. They're already playing for whatever. You're getting the guys who are like the has been guys from someone else, like. I'm sorry, you you know, you getting Washington State's third best offensive line is not going to help you beat yeah. Georgia. It's not. It's not. And Georgia, what is Georgia? Georgia is a D-line and O-line driven program. Like, what is Alabama? Like, I, you can say, oh, they had all these skill guys at wide receiver. Look at, go through the, all their NFL draft picks over the years and why they've been so good. They're way better than everyone up front. They've just been better year after year but with everyone up front uh, go look at Michigan. Why do you think Michigan has beaten Ohio state the last two years? 
their O-line and D-line are better than Ohio State's. That's just a fact. That's what it is, right? So it's just one of these things that, like, you can't uh, – and, and, and as we look at it, right, like, so, you know, the the potential for Alt is – I mean, it's a slam dunk. He's going to the, the NFL. But if yeah. Blake Fisher goes to the NFL and, believe me, maybe you have to get a, an offense attack on the portal – and that's fine. And that can like plug a gap, but you're not going to get an elite guy in the portal. You're just not. The chances of you doing it are very, very slim. So, you know, you can get a thing to fill in for a year, but to get to a point where you're going to get a guy who is at the level of alt, you're never going to find that guy in, yeah. in the portal. You're just never, never going to, unless it's just one of those things where someone is at another school for a year and they're unhappy and they just were like, I got to go. And then I, they come to Notre Dame and then maybe that guy can take off there. But aside from that, that's not going to happen. So you got to You got to be great on, on both sides of the line. And if you're not, I mean, good luck in Georgia. You're going to get your, your butt handed to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple of questions from Ben Tarnowski. I think we can just answer these pretty quickly. Uh, it's rumored that Evan Stewart is going to enter the portal. Any shot Notre Dame goes after him. Uh, he's a sophomore. So that's a no. That's just like, it's yeah. A no. I'm, and he's the guy who's. And he'll probably go to the SEC somewhere. Hey, he'll probably go to Georgia or go to yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Alabama or um, somewhere is going to. I mean, he's getting a fat check at, at AM. Miami, like. He will Oregon, whatever, like he's going to get, and it's not to say that he wouldn't get paid at Notre Dame. Yeah. He, he's, he would get is a decent check, but it's just like that guy is, is going to be looking for um, that. And, and also too, he would be stupid if he's not looking at like where the quarterback situation is at all of these places yeah. and stuff. And if it's like, say if I was him and I was like looking at it, I'd be like, well, Georgia, I mean, they're losing some guys and Carson Beck's coming back. I mean, that would be something attractive. Yeah. Um, ben also asked, uh, would you like to see get Notre Dame get Tyler Show from the portal to come in and compete? To start? I mean, I, I can't, I gotta be honest. I haven't watched a ton of Tyler Show other than just like here and there uh, when he was at Oregon and then when he was at Texas Tech. Um, I don't think he's an elite guy. Like, I think you just bring him in and then maybe he's like, kind of competing with um you know he's he's in there competing and he's just like a guy on your roster um but i just I, don't see i don't see him as being uh i i would i would doubt it i would doubt it that he's i i, I would say not good enough <clears throat> yeah I, I would, that's what i would say um so that's my take on that uh, Brad Irish asks, on yesterday's Power Hour, Mike suggested that Buckner was interested in coming back to Notre Dame, but it wasn't possible. Do you have any idea when in the season that happened? I heard about this like early. I heard about this real early. I don't me- I don't remember like where I heard it from. It was kind of in passing, but it was like, yeah, he would like to come back. It's like, yeah, well, he probably would because he didn't – he lost – Because he made a bad decision, yeah. Yeah, he made a bad choice. I mean, he went to a place that he wasn't going to play. So – um, but yeah, it's not possible once you leave. And I heard, I heard the question on power hour about if he, if he came back as a walk-on, that would be a no as well, honestly, because whether he's a walk-on or not, it doesn't matter. He's on the roster. Like, so you, they'd, they'd want to play him. Like if he's on the roster, he's like, you want to put him in the game. 
no like that's a no like you you had your chance you wanted to you wanted to go uh you know bet on yourself and that's fine but you walked away from the team and now you want to come back and it's like well, i'm gonna be a walk-on and, and put in a package for me like no no yeah like, that's just not gonna that's not how it works man like sorry like you know you chose your choice that's unfortunate yeah. and you know bliss the best but for the team that just can't happen yeah um, i just yeah i just would it just wouldn't make much sense yeah iris 2104 what are your opinions on nbc deal good bad or indifferent money exposure did they settle I mean, we don't know the money exactly. It sounds like, you know, obviously they got more money, which is good. Who knows how competitive it is with everything else, with their combined, whatever they get from the ACC and all that. Uh, I'm going to guess it's pretty competitive. And that's yeah. one of the main reasons that they're doing it. But I think um, it's good to have, it's, first of all, Notre Dame fans, even though you might not be happy with the product NBC puts out, you should be happy that you know that you can find all the home games on one channel. Like yeah. that is, that is definitely a nice thing because think about this game. This, yeah. I was just about know, to say, like, you know, it's a disaster. Yeah. Or just think about if like all of a sudden, just all these games with like, especially some of these games were like, don't, shouldn't even really be on a network really that Notre, you know, Notre Dame's playing uh, central Michigan, Tennessee state. And I know central Michigan was a, uh peacock game but it's like it should have been a peacock game like that is not a yeah. good game right that's not a game that you know most regular football fans want to watch unless they're hardcore Notre Dame fans and you just there'd be a lot of games where if Notre Dame did say did deal with ESPN they'd have like some of those games would be on uh you know ACC network or whatever right you'd, you'd have a lot more of these games that just you'd lose out on you'd lose out yeah. on, on getting to see and it'd be harder to find. And especially cause there's a lot of like older Notre Dame fans, it'd be a lot tougher. So people can not like the products, but um, it is a good thing to have it in, in the same spot, all the home games in the same spot. Um, and then I do think too, I mean, I don't know if it's written in the contract, but there might've been like a little bit of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, because let's face it, if Notre Dame, it, it they, it's, it's, this keeps their independence. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They also have a deal with the Big Ten, so yeah. it just kind of fits if they if they were to go to the Big Ten, and they probably yeah. have some other like backdoor negotiation going on there. Yeah, I think I think it is important for the brand. Um, I think NBC is it's just as a sports network right now is just cutting costs everywhere. You see it in golf a ton, um, and it's like I, it's probably going that way for football as well. Uh, which is unfortunate. It's a bummer, um, especially when they're picking up like Notre Dame and the Big Ten. It, it's just, you know, they, they don't treat it like they should, given how much they're paying for it. Uh, but they're obviously making money on the ads and that sort of thing. So, you know, it, I, I, I view it as a as a as kind of indifferent. Like it just it's good that they kept it. I don't like NBC as a as a network, but it's fine. Like like you said, there's real value to do. Um, always kind of being on TV and knowing where to find Notre Dame. Um, Iris Loyal asked, I know it's way too early, but just for fun, take a stab at the starting old line in 24, assuming Alt, Fisher, Carell move on. Not saying all three definitely will, but it's certainly feasible. I'm sorry, man. I'm not going to do it because it's just too early. It's just, and I know people just want, want, want that, but it's just, it's way too early. Like, so I'm going to be like, 
well, this guy's not going to be there. It's like, it is just way too early to say what what's going to happen. Other than I believe that Ashton Craig would be the starting center. I think I Craig would be the starting center. Um, I think they would move Jagusa to tackle. You guys were talking about this. I think they would try to get him on the field. I think he's real. I, I think he's a real thing. Like he's he's a good football player. I think they like him a lot. And I think that they have – I think he could play tackle. And I think that they have between Spindler, Shrouth, and Coogan. It's just a yeah, lot of it's guys. It's going to be some kind of – like there's going to be some kind of combination there. But I can't say for sure that like, well, Coogan's going to be the one who doesn't play. Or for, Spindler's yeah, not sure. going to be – like, you know, so it's just like impossible. It's just going to be – they're going to find – they're going to – some kind of combination is going to uh, – out of those guys and Craig right is going to be the yeah. interior guys and then i would say like you know you're looking at some kind of combination of jagusa um uh, or jagasaw sorry uh jagasaw uh you know wagner and then maybe a portal guy uh maybe tosh baker if he comes back and i just don't know like i don't know and I don't know anything to the point where I could say like Sullivan Absher, no way he's going to play at Notre Dame or man, yeah. he might be in the mix next year. I just have not heard anything of the sort of where, where he's at right now. I have no idea. Like Chan, I would say Ty Chan, he has not looked like he's a guy who is ready to play. Maybe he's never going to play at Notre Dame. He doesn't look like a tackle to me. So I don't, I mean, I wouldn't bet on him, but I would say like Josh Lug was a guy that you were like, if you watched him his first few years on campus, I'd be like, I don't know if he's ever going to play. And then he yeah. ends up like starting over 20 games. Right. So yeah. it's just, it, it's wide open, but regardless, like it's not a good situation. If I think Corell, whatever, cause I do think, I mean, I think Corell would have a really tough time in that uh, Texas A&M game uh, just because that's, those are the type of dudes that he's had a tough with, a yeah. tough time with. If Fisher leaves, uh, which I think is real, like he, he could very well be gone. Um, I think that, um, yeah, man, it's tough to to have two new tackles. It just, yeah. re- it just really is. Um, even if you recruit really, really well, like it's it's still very tough to have two brand new tackles. Yeah, uh, Michael Hahn makes the point that NBC Comcast is cutting costs everywhere regarding NBC. Even their EPL coverage, they own the American and UK networks and are sharing broadcasters to save money. So EPL is um, English Premier League soccer in Europe. Um, and I can attest to that, too, because I I am a viewer of that stuff, too. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're cutting costs and they are, um, you know, you don't want to go with a media partner who is doing that. But at the same time, like, it is best for the brand. It is. And so you, you don't you don't want to do that, right? Like you want a media partner that's going to take pride in their work. And, and I don't, I don't want to say that NBC doesn't, but they're willing to have a lesser product because of the amount of money that they have, like they have the rights. So they're willing to, they're willing to buy the rights and then put out a lesser product because of it. Um, And that's just the reality. Right. And that's, that's, it's been all over their sports platforms and it is for um, it probably will be for Notre Dame as well. Right. So um, that's not what you want. You want a media partner that that takes pride in their work. And 
Notre Dame doesn't have that, but you can have that, Jamie, if you sign up with VSRmediacompany.com, which is founded by Notre Dame football pregame host and Emmy Award-winning anchor Vahid Sadrazade. I got to, I got to be on with Vahid on the ABC 57 kickoff show. He's an awesome guy. He's very nice, and I had a chance to chat with him as well. So he, he's a very good guy. Um, VSR Media provides professional and cinematic video and photo. Whether you're looking for a collegiate or pro-level highlight reel, have a personal story to tell, or are aiming to diversify and grow your business, VSR Media specializes in short and long-form video storytelling, social media management, and website design. VSR Media also captures professional headshots, senior, and sports photos. Contact them at vsrmediacompany.com. Mention Irish Sports Daily to receive 20% off your first project. Visit them online or give them a call at 574-800-9106. Next question uh, from the Groove91. You briefly mentioned a response to a question that perhaps Parker was not calling play Saturday. Any info on this? The play calling did look very different. Um, We got a couple comments about this in the chat as well. Um, He was 100% calling plays, so he was definitely doing that. I think I think the change would be in game plan install and where those ideas come from if people have more of a voice there. Um, and look, I mean, the amount of RPOs we saw, Jamie, the amount yeah. of play action passing we saw, the RPOs especially. Like, look, play action can be uh, opponent specific. You know, when uh, when Jared Parker talks about man versus zone, Wake Forest did run a lot of zone and a lot of their good play action stuff did come out of against zone defenses but the rpo stuff you can run against anything and that was that was to me was the bigger thing and i texted you about this like i can't believe they weren't doing this all year especially with how good it looked it looked it looked fine it looked seamless yeah uh sam hartman was making good decisions right you got you got phase on going you got flores going uh it, it just it was there the whole game i think that is the biggest thing with parker for me is the lack of RPOs and the lack of play action all year and having that installed in the offense from the get-go. And I think the biggest thing with Parker, just to kind of get back to that conversation, is the third down play calling is... It was much better in this game. It was better in this game, but also it's been a major concern throughout the yeah. year. Oh, you know, yeah. And that's that's where it's like, look, man, that's where you, know, you talked about reasons for, reason against. Like a reason to want to make a move is like you got to have you got to be able to be a big time play caller in the high leverage moments. And there are yeah. too many failures this year for Notre Dame on that front. And so um, that's, uh, that's where that is. Jacob Paulus says, um, I am Cincinnati Bearcat. I can tell you the offense look a lot like Gino when he was with OC at Cincy. So uh, we can take that for what it's worth. Did you have, yeah. a, did you have a thought on this, Jamie? Well, he was definitely calling the plays. Someone else asked a question. You could skip the other guy's question about it too. Like we yeah. don't need to put it up because it's just, it's obviously this is kind of, we'd just be doing the same thing. But I mean, Gino might've had more say in, in the plink, but I agree with you. It it's, was game plan and preparation stuff that was built into the game. Yeah. Uh, and Gino definitely wasn't calling plays. So, yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, we, we would see it. He's on the sideline. I mean, if yeah. he's calling plays, he's got to have a play sheet there, and he doesn't. Yeah. So, you know, he, he can't be calling plays. It's not like I'm some conspiracy or anything like that. So uh, thank you for the question, though. Andy Matt 01, do you think Notre Dame is settling early on the 2025 class? Obviously early, but they already have nine commits, five of which are three stars across the board. I understand recruiting has move-up timeframes, but Notre Dame wants to win championships. We need the best bringing in higher ceiling talent. Um, we talked about this. We talked about this earlier in the show, uh, but wanted to get to Matt's question. So hopefully Matt – um, 
you uh, you caught up with the with the discussion earlier. Um, XRND nineteen ninety four. Do you think wide receiver could be a strength next year, given health and what they went through this year? Um, oh, we we talked about you know the the room becoming elite, but I do think wide receiver could be a strength next year. Maybe not elite, but I think they could they could be a really good group, right? Like Rico um, with Rico Flores, um, uh, Jane Greathouse. We have to include Faison in this too now. Like yeah. Notre Dame essentially brought in five freshman wide receivers. Because Faison to me is like if he was if he was a four star commit, like people would be fired up about him. Yeah. Right? And oh, I yeah. think we should be fired up about him. Like he's he's a real he's a real player for Notre Dame. Um, he can play. Braylon James, look, and, and people I, I put out the tweet earlier when I was watching warm-ups, and people, you know, obviously I said Braylon James and Tobias, they move different. And and people, you know, they go in snarky on Tobias, and it's like, look. And people make the people act like I'm I'm hyping Tobias. It's, it's not hype. It's it's just that like it's just a reality. He moves different. They move different. Those two guys, when you watch them warm up, you think, man, those guys are serious athletes. Like real long striders, explosive. The way that they run, he cooked an NFL or a corner that's looking like uh, it's looking like he, you know, the the you you. Pointed out the NFL was looking at him hard. Tobias just put him in the put him in the blender. I mean, he just completely cooked him. Like you have to be able to get a lot out of those guys. They're they're going up another year. Um, obviously you have the freshmen coming in. If they can get one, just one boundary guy, one guy on the boundary that can can be an upperclassman, that can be kind of like a, a senior leader, um, and go along with Jaden Thomas, who I think is I still feel good about him. Um, so it's just like th- there could be a really good room next year. And I think I think that's uh, I think it's a pretty big deal. Comments from Jamie on that? Well, I I do think it's they they could be um, a strength next year. Like I said, yeah, not not elite is I think is right. You know, I don't think there people are going to be like, man, Notre Dame's wide receivers are the envy of all these teams. Like I don't think it's it's at that point yet, but I think. A lot depends on – it's like people just want to just say like the reason why you can't give up on a guy like Tobias Merriweather is exactly what, um, you know, you, you saw in that game, right? That's exactly what you you saw in that game. He just – they don't have anybody else who can do that. And just like Braylon James might be another guy who can do that. Yeah. You don't have guys who run, you know, four four who are that tall and could just, you know, like absolutely that threatened guy. They don't have like Rico Flores. You know, obviously had a great game. I think he's going to be a great player, but he's not a guy who's going to be like corners are going to be scared about. Like, man, this guy just might just cook me here. Like, I gotta be like, I gotta get get into my pedal fast because of this guy, and that's what you know, having those guys is about, it is exactly the way you take those guys, even though they are, you know, all caps raw, right? Like you take them because they have that. And it's just whether they can do that. It's, it's, it's Chase Claypool, right? It's Chase Claypool and what he can do with that too. Right. So um, it's that kind of stuff matters. Cause I just think like you have to have a certain level of speed um, at the position you just do. You just do. 
Uh, and it's, it limits your offense if you don't have that. It, it, even if everybody else is like really, really good. It's just like if you don't have um, one or two guys that can take a top off the defense, it's like, it, you know, teams can play so much different yeah. because of that. So um, that matters. But, you know, and the other thing, though, is that almost all these guys are going to be back right from from this year right like uh like unless Tyree leaves and even if he does leave it's still like seven of the top eight guys in in terms of receptions at receiver and tight end like yeah it compared to look at this year where they had and if, especially if you can consider like Jaden Thomas you know being out for half the year really and um and then how it didn't work out with Caleb Smith like the in styles bolting and Colsey not playing and all that like they got like nothing coming back really. Right. Cause they didn't have Lindsay either. Right. So they, it was like, you know, didn't have mayor, obviously like yeah. it was like a complete makeover. So yeah. Um, it's, it's a big difference to get everybody back. By the way, and KK Smith looks good as well. He looks good running around. He, he's a, he's a good athlete. Um, he, he does warmups. So he's, he's not playing, but he, he's a, he's a warmup guy. Um, and he, he looks good out there as well. He, he's got some juice. Um, uh, John Erickson, think you've tied the record for most consecutive shows where nobody wanted to fire Al Washington. Uh, that's a sarcastic comment from John. Uh, it is funny. Remember earlier in the year, there was like a whole movement to uh, fire Al Washington, and that has gone away. Uh, yeah, well, so, those you know. people, not the brightest people. So. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, next question from Chris ND 92 uh, Saturday's plea calling was so different from other games, it makes me wonder. If Parker was calling them or if it was someone else, it seems a little of the criticism was addressed. Play action passes, RPOs, breaking 10 seeds to run every time a power-heavy formation was shown. Quarterbacks checking into better plays. A clean break from play calling exhibited. Through 10 games, doesn't seem likely at the same coach. What are the odds um, Parker has been relieved from play calling? Uh, we addressed this as well, but wanted to read the question because we always aspire to read all the questions. So we, we, we addressed that earlier. Um, Red Mac ask in your opinion will the new nbc contract allow notre dame to remain independent through the length of the contract uh i think we answered that as well yeah we kind of talked um, about this earlier bar and, and barring barring a change though right like things can change and movement happens um and jamie made the point like they're also partnered with the big 10 um, that would be a pretty seamless transition for notre dame should that occur um drew brennan asked tyree colsey Thomas Merriweather, Flores, Great House, Faison Smith, and James. How many of those guys will be on the 2024 Irish? If they all come back and you add three freshmen, you still go after a transfer. Um, I think you you go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, like, uh, you know, not that obviously uh, you know, shout out to Drew who asks good questions all the time, but like I hate these kind of questions because it's like we're supposed to speculate on some guys transferring, and it's like I just don't think that's fair, you know, like, so assume they're all be back. I mean, other than maybe Tyree or whatever, like, uh, and Colsey, because, you know, they're going to have both those guys have their degrees and whatever, but like, I can't just like, I mean, I don't know. Mary mother might not be back, but it's like, why can I, why, why should we speculate that he's not going to be back? You know, like it's, it's not fair to him. It's not fair to the, the, the yeah. staff or the team. Like, um, it's, I mean, people transfer all the time, but like, it's just like one of those things. It's like Lorenzo styles was going to transfer. And then it's like, he didn't transfer for any of the reasons that people said that he transferred. He just ended up transferring because of 
you know, something completely different. And then obviously it didn't go good for him, but just, or it hasn't gone good for him so far. So um, not to say that he, he still might, you know, end up being someone who plays a DB for Ohio State next year or whatever. Right. But it's just, you know, that's, it, it's just one of these things. It's just like, um, you just never know. Like you just never know where the back, I think, I mean, the thing is if all the guys come back, um, then I think obviously that's great. Right. Um, that's great. And really the only guy that didn't really uh, contribute really anything out of these guys this year was, I mean, Smith and James obviously redshirted and um, Colsey played like one game, basically. Like, I mean, yeah. I think he played special teams from other games, but he really only got targets in one game. So, yeah, I mean, everybody else contributed. So that would be a big thing. So I think if we went down each individual player, you know, just like Jamie said, like, I, I don't know what, where everyone is, or, you know, you can make a case for a lot of these guys to not be on the roster, but you can make a case for them to be on the roster. Right. I do think it's safe to say like someone will not be, I don't know who it is. Like, I, I don't, I, I have no idea. Well, I think or whatever, like, I think we, out of the guys who would make the most sense for Dion Colsey not to be on the roster. I think right. that would be a very safe bet just based on he's graduated. The guy's barely played. He was hurt for most of this year. So he got a red shirt year in. he's going to have two years to play. There isn't a clear path for him to play. Uh, so it would make sense. Um, Ray on is pointing out, he is asking. So he's asking, um, the, the, the follow-up is kind of like, is do if let's say they all did come back, would you still take a transfer? I would say yes to this. I, I do I do think you need if you can get they someone get you, you gotta get a transfer, like you do. Uh At you need to get one. someone it, yeah, someone proven on the on on to, to be just like a number one boundary guy. Because that's not like look, we talked about it before. That's not Jaden Thomas's best role, it isn't. Like it's so you got to use him effectively too. I, I just think that's what the, the room desperately needs. So I still would, regardless, 100%. I would absolutely do this. Um, Smiller uh, asks if Notre Dame or S. Miller, I should say, S. Miller asks if Notre Dame somehow manages to keep Golden for another year, what can we do to keep Mickens, who's clearly deserving of some kind of promotion for 2024 and beyond? Would you rather move heaven and earth to keep Golden? But in doing so, risk losing uh, up and comers like like Mickens. It's a good question. I I, I wonder if S. Miller is the same as Steve Miller, who gave us that uh, super chat earlier. I'm going to guess oh, it yeah, probably maybe. is. So thanks, maybe. Steve. If this is a question that you yeah. ha you asked, um, could be Sean Miller. Who knows? Uh, but I, I would say that Golden has done such a great job, and you don't you never want to lose good young coaches, obviously you never want to lose guys, especially guys that you think can be possible coordinator one day. But the way I would look at it is that, um, you know, you have a really great thing with Al Golden right now. And it would be, uh, a mistake to not do everything you can to try to keep that going. Um, so I, I think you, you do that. And, the other thing is if someone like Mickens got an opportunity to be a defensive coordinator somewhere else, 
it's probably not going to be at the level of a Notre Dame. So that doesn't mean you can't hire him to be the coordinator after Golden is gone. If whenever that happens, right? So there's a lot of different things that go along with it. And I just, I, I mean, I definitely don't think you want to block the path of guys that are good coaches and you want to keep them. Uh, but I mean, that's part of it. Part of the thing is it's just like, you can't, uh, you, you can't block people forever because good people are going to go and going to get opportunities. And yeah. um, you want to keep as many guys as possible. Um, but that's just coaching. That's, that's the reality of it. And I mean, that's not even just coaching. That's like work period. Right. Is that that's, that happens and you got to do everything you can to keep the people that you have um, if they're doing a good job, but there's no reason to be like, man, we got to like, I'm sorry, Al, we got to move on from you, whatever. Cause it's not like Al Golden is like 70. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it, yeah. it's, it's a different, it's a different deal. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think there is a way you could, first of all, there's always a way to promote someone. You could create some title and you, you can give them more money and you can do that. Um, and I think Notre Dame probably will do that. I think if I was Mike Mickens, if, if Al Golden were to stay, in 2024, I think it would be pretty, pretty clearly his last year. And I also think like Marcus would ensure like, Hey, Mickens attach yourself to Al learn everything you can. This is going to be your gig, you know? And if I'm Mike Mickens, I'm looking at Ben Morrison and I'm looking at, uh, at Christian gray who looks absolutely incredible. Christian gray looks like an incredible up and coming football player like he he is long he is physical he is his his hip he has the smoothest hips like he is just he looks i would want to coach those guys and then it's like this is this is my gig coming up in 2025 or 2024 like whatever like i i just think there's there's such a like to me there is such a path for mike mickens to be notre dame's defensive coordinator that or anyone's that I, I, I would just get that promotion, get tootled or tootled, <laughs> get the tutelage under yeah. Mike Mickens and go from, or, or I'm, I'm sorry, under Al Golden and go from there. That's what I would do. It, it just, it looks right for it. Yeah. Um, I just wanted, cause Rajon mentioned the thing that he was asking the, about the previous question from Drew Brandon when, when he was talking about, does it getting a transfer lead to a transfer? He's saying that was the, the question that was being asked and it's, kind of goes back to what Greg was saying about a previous thing. It's like, you don't take a slot. It's like, if they took a slot, then it's be like, yeah, maybe, then obviously if I was like Chris Tyree, then I'd be like, you're, you're picking up a slot. Like, why am I staying? You know, like that, like, you know, or, or some of the other guys that would, that would make sense. But if they're taking a boundary. It's like well, Notre Dame has a need at the boundary, right? They have a need there. So it's like, I don't think, and there's not a, like a, there isn't a guy who's like, man, this is the obvious starter at the boundary, right? Like you could say, well, Jade and Thomas, well, really? Like he barely played and he, we already talked about his best position might be somewhere else. So I don't really see it being like, unless they are taking guys, the one, they have the one crowded position and that's it. Right. And it's like, I don't see any reason why that would lead to anything else. Like, I mean, quarterback would be a much different story because actually taking the fourth quarterback yeah that could lead to somebody transferring because it could lead to somebody being like 
well, now my path is blocked because it just depends. If they take a grad transfer and the guy's got two years to play and they think that guy's going to be a starter for two years, well, then if I was Steve Angeli, yeah, you're darn right. I'd be thinking about going somewhere else, right? It's just, but it's just, there's only one spot for a, a quarterback. It's a different thing for a receiver. Yeah. Um, so that's the, that that's, I, I mean, I feel very similar to that. Um, I, I just, I don't see anyone coming in who it's like, yeah, we're definitely like, you know, you're not jamming up Chris Tyree. You're not jamming up uh great house or Flores or phase. You're just not jamming up those guys. So I, I just think it, and even if it did, like, you just have to deal with that. You know, like, it, it if if someone came in and someone was like, like, I don't see that being like Jaden Thomas. Um, you know, I, I, I so I just, I, I don't, I don't see Jaden Thomas being like, you know what, they brought in a transfer, I'm out of here. Like, I, I, I think he wants to be a captain, honestly, and I think he could be a captain. Jaden Thomas, speaking of, so um, I, I just think it. I'm not concerned about that piece of it. Um, Notre Dame's got to get a, a real player at the boundary this year. Someone they, they know. It's kind of like similar to quarterback. Like you have to get someone you know is better than what you have. And that's a lot easier to evaluate at the wide receiver um, position. Um, we're going to get to Stanford in a second. Just a quick little preview there. Um, Mitchell Vahilek asked about Dave Clawson uh, and his comments before. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, he, 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 took, uh, he took exception to – uh Notre Dame playing I will always love you uh and showing Sam Hartman on the video board at the end of the game uh Saturday um and the context behind that is it was Sam Hartman's final home game and a lot of the time what you do for someone like that is you 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 keep him in for a play you take him out and everyone stands up and cheers right and you get the cheers well Notre Dame was removing Sam Hartman from the game during a timeout, basically. And he was not going to come off the field to cheers or anything like that. So Notre Dame wanted to honor him. And so they showed him on the video board. Uh, they played the song. And that's that's and everyone cheered and everyone went crazy. And and Sam Hartman got his goodbye to the Notre Dame uh fans. Uh that's what it is. And so Dave Clausen decided to make comment on that. And I think just it, it was a moment for the player and the, the fans in the university. And Dave Clawson decided to make it a moment for himself to opine on it in a press conference. Uh, I thought it was incredibly silly um, and he's getting roasted for it. And he should, because it was, it was a silly thing to say. Um, do you have any comment on that, Jamie? Yeah, are you itching to have a take on the Dave Clawson comments? I think he probably said what, a lot of people who are Wake Forest, you know, uh, supporters or people that uh, support Wake Forest football probably feel a similar way to him. So I don't think there was anything wrong with it from that perspective because it's like kind of like he's speaking to them and he's definitely not speaking to Notre Dame fans about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and at the same time, too, like it's like, it was, I, I think it was, that was the kind of thing where people around Notre Dame, uh, and obviously there's some people who are, you know, frustrated that Sam Hartman wasn't, um, isn't a Heisman contender, 
or whatever, yeah. right? Like there's yeah. there's that. But I think for the most part, people who are big Notre Dame fans and, and love Notre Dame football loved how Sam Hartman embraced the program mm -hmm. and how he his comments after like the USC game and all that kind of stuff, right? About like how he hopes that he can like bring his kids back and all like that kind of stuff. It's like that's why it was no matter how the season went, it's like, it can't be viewed by him. It's like, he's obviously been like, this was a great decision for me to yeah. do this because he got to experience this. Right. So um, yeah. And them, you know, Notre Dame video board celebrating that. I think that's great. It's good. And like, you know, I'm, I don't have any problem with the Notre Dame fans calling Dave Gloss and stupid for, you know, his reaction to it. But I also don't have a problem with Dave Gloss doing it because I'm sure there's like a, well, whatever, the small faction of Wake Forest fans who are like, yeah, like that's stupid, whatever, blah, 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 right? Like, um, I don't know. But I always find it funny. It'll always be funny when, because I always see like when, uh, so Nick McLeod got a, got a pick this weekend for, yeah, 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 right? And I saw like, you know, Notre Dame uh, tweeted out like Notre Dame in the NFL, whatever, right? Like, uh, you know, they're celebrating. Obviously, he was like a captain at NC State, played there mm -hmm. for years, right? And did that. I'm like, does NC State celebrate that? You know, are they celebrating him? How does he feel about it? How does, you know, Ben Skoranek? Because, like, I mean, Ben Skoranek, like, think about that year, even though it was like a COVID year, he's got memories from that year that on the football field that are like, got to surpass anything he did at, at yeah, Northwestern. Sure. Um, so when Ben Skoranek is like, you know, you know, whatever his face, Darren Ravel's getting all upset about how they're not mentioning that uh, Ben Skronik went to Northwestern. Like, you know, apologies, you sucked. And he's, you know, went to a better school and that that, that kind of thing. It's just, it, it, but I, I, it's it's just like a funny dynamic now, especially for those guys. Like Russell Wilson would be a perfect example because he's like NC State, Wisconsin. He was really good at both schools, you know, and like it, it's, I think he celebrated at both schools, especially because of the way, like it was really like Tom O'Brien kind of like pushed him out. Like, yeah. and it yeah. wasn't like his choice. Um, so uh, I don't know. I just find that always very interesting kind of how people view that. It is a funny dynamic for sure. Um, and the other part of it is like, you know, Dave Clausen took the opportunity to kind of like go in on college football today. It's like, well, he's a grad transfer. It happens. Yeah. It's been happening since 2006. It's not like it's new. Uh, it's not like Logan Diggs, you know, like, yeah, he, he, it's different. He, it's totally different. So, all right. Uh, that's, so that's that. I wanted to get to Mitchell's question though. Cause he took the time to ask. Um, all right. Let's talk about Stanford a little bit, Jamie. Um, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this game. Uh, Stanford is very bad offensively. Uh, I'm sorry, defensively. They're not very good offensively either, but defensively they're awful. They're one twelfth in F plus um, defensively. Not a good football team. They're a little bit more spry offensively, Jamie. They they put up 495 yards on uh, on Washington, scored 33 points. Uh, but since then, they've scored 10, 17, and 15. Um, they've they've played two really really good defenses this year in Oregon and UCLA. Against Oregon, they scored six, 222 yards of offense, 3.1 yards per play. And against UCLA, they put up uh, seven points. 
292 yards of offense, 4.7 yards per play. So anytime they've played a good defense, and those two games were at home as well, so that kind of um, that kind of a parallel there because Notre Dame's playing at home or playing on the road this weekend. Um, anytime they've played a good defense, they've they've been shut down pretty well offensively, and their defense is very bad. And Notre Dame has feasted on bad defense this year. So, yeah. So, um, what kind of what is your take on this game? We'll do predictions. We'll get out of here. Uh, yeah, I think that. Uh, I mean, there's no there's no reason why this should be a close game at all. Uh, I think Stanford's roster is um, one of the worst in Power Five, maybe the worst. Uh, they just have no like kind of like upperclassmen that are NFL talent. Benjamin Yurisik was like kind of their top guy who would have been a, a draft pick. He's been out um, since like halfway through the year, really good tight end. Um, I think people might remember a couple years ago, he had a really nice game uh, against Notre Dame. He's also a guy that Notre Dame recruited. Uh, I believe Notre Dame won him on defense though, but uh, anyways, yeah. he was like a hybrid guy. Um, and they do have uh, that uh, Alec uh, Io Manor is like, a monster player like he he's a very good player for them they he he's averaged 11 targets per game in the last six games they just try to get they force the ball into him because why why not yeah they have, of course they don't, really, they don't really have anyone else that is like a game record right like they have uh the true freshman kid is pretty good um you know uh uh tiger bachmeyer he's pretty good and then sam roosh is the tight end who's placed I me mean, he's not a bad player either and even Bryce Farrell, who I wouldn't say is, I mean, his production isn't good. I mean, he's fast. The guy ran like a 10, 500 in, in, in high school. Um, they have, they have skill guys that are like decent. They, they can compete. And EJ Smith is like a decent back too. The problem is their line is so, so bad. Like they're starting two true freshmen, um, you know, at, at left tackle, they're playing a true freshman. The other guy's like a first-year starter, right tackle. He's not good. They're bad across the line. They're like, like, not even to the point where we're talking about where people are like, well, Clemson's got a bad line. It's like, this is like the, the other level of bad thing. So Matt McCarthy mentioned David Bailey's a stud. He's a backup right now. He's not a starter. Yeah, he, he, got, he got benched, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or demoted, I should say. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a backup right now. And he's a good – pass rusher he's got a good first step but he's not not really a good uh well first of all he's small but he's not like a good run defender and they want like kind of like a hybrid guy there to drop to and i don't know if he was like not doing his job there but he got demoted and and you know he was considered to be like one of their best players and he, he's not um you know yeah the kicker is awesome the kicker the kicker the kicker is the best player on their team yeah that's not a good sign they don't have anybody on defense there's no one on their defense who would start for Notre Dame, unsurprisingly. And other than Iowa Manor, there's no one on offense who would start for Notre Dame. Uh, and I think they're better coached on offense. Like they have more things you have to worry about in terms of they do a ton of stuff formationally. They do a ton of stuff with pre-snap motion. They do a bunch of different things. Sometimes they play with two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. Uh, they will like, ton of quarterback run game stuff. So you always have to, uh, you know, be prepared for it. So they might, you know, catch Notre Dame a time or two with something. And like, you know, Ben Morrison is going to have to play well, like he always does uh, in this game because Iowa Manor, like, I mean, he ate up um, 
uh, Travis Hunter, Travis Hunter from uh, Colorado. Like he's pretty good. Like he's a good player. Um, but when you only have one of those guys and your line sucks and you can't protect the quarterback well, um, and you don't run the ball well because you don't block that well, like it's just hard to run an offense, right? You really have to, you have to trick people into yeah. things. And it, it's just, you know, you saw it with Wake Forest. They had the one drive, right, where that really worked well. But even as those, some of these other drives where they got first downs, it's like it's really, really just hard to execute when you don't have enough guys or you don't have a quarterback that can you can count on. And that's kind of where they're at. And I think with uh, – and the, the defense is just like they're dead last in Havoc rate, dead last in the country in Havoc rate. They have one forced fumble on the year. Like mm. that's kind of hard to believe. Like that just – and they just – and really, too, like you can see with um, – they don't have the, they don't have enough athletes. They just don't. They just yeah. – they're not the same level that they were even at last year, right? Because they lost like, you know, about a, a double-digit guys that are starting on other Power 5 teams right now that transferred out. And not though those guys weren't great players, but they're, I mean, better than the guys they have now. And um, <clears throat> they had five guys get drafted in the NFL, right? So, you know, that's, you know, just like 15 guys that you can't, uh, that, you know, that that you're, you lost and you don't replace guys of that level because they just didn't recruit well and didn't develop well at, kind of behind them and any kind of injury, like, so them getting any kind of injuries, they, they lost a receiver to John Humphreys is like just killer for them. Uh, I, I do think Troy Taylor's the coach now. So he was the coach at Sacramento state before. I think he, if he's given the time and he will be given the time because they don't really have yeah. a choice in the matter, but like, yeah, I could see two years from now, I could see them being pretty good. Like, uh, you know, like they could be competitive, right? Like, and like a bowl team easily. And I would even see next year, they could kind of like, maybe even like kind of backdoor their way into like being a potentially six and six type team that just beats teams that they shouldn't because yeah. I think uh I think Taylor's a good coach but I mean just they don't have enough guys and uh that's why they get like man they give 62 to Oregon State I know Oregon State's pretty good but like man 62 like ugh. brutal pretty gross. brutal uh Matt McCarthy says uh Last week you mentioned A.O. Manor, A.O. Manor uh, didn't click with Brian Kelly. That's a shame he'd be a good addition to this team. Yeah, he didn't vibe with them on the visit, which is unfortunate because he's no longer Notre Dame's coach, and they could really use him. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean talk about he'd be a, a difference maker for them. Talk about a guy who'd like to get out of the portal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, unfortunately, that's probably not possible coming from Stanford, but that's tough, man. Don't that you know? It's like didn't vibe with bk that's that's good stuff uh mr sanders says um how bad is it this is on the pac-12 network it's pretty terrible it's it's awful uh it's it's no other way around it um uh, i guess you got to do fubo it's hard for me because i'm coaching my daughter's uh club team and are not their, their club team in, in a football tournament this weekend so there's a chance that i might have to watch on delay and usually it's fine because i can dvr it but like if I have to watch on some stream, how do I DVR a stream or rewind a stream? Like it's 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 not good, Jamie. I'm I'm not happy yeah. about it. Um, I try I, honestly. 
I'm unhappy to the point of like, I don't even think about it. I don't want it to ruin my mood. So uh, that's where I'm at with it. Jamie, let's do predictions and we'll get out of here. Uh, yeah, I, oh, I can't remember the exact number that I said. I think I said 42 to nine is what I said. Oh. So six of, uh, six of the, uh, nine pack 12 teams they play to put up over 40 against them. You know, that's, I, I think Notre Dame will put up over 40 against them. Probably, Probably one defensive touchdown or like, you know, a couple like easy layups because of short fields, because of their offense turning the ball over. Um, they've had fumbling problems with the quarterbacks. Um, so I would say, that, and I think, you know, I could see them. I mean, I could see them score even a couple touchdowns just based off like, man, they had some crazy trick play or a man or just went like beast mode on some play and whatever. Um, but I think it's more likely that they get a they get a couple drives where they're like, oh, they're inside the forty, and like their kicker makes like a fifty-seven yard or something, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. that that kind of thing. And you're like, God damn, that guy's good. Like, wish Notre Dame had that guy. He he is. I mean, I mean, he'd be a perfect portal guy for everyone. But he's, I think, he's going to the NFL. And I think I saw after the after the last game too, Troy Taylor was like. Yeah, he's uh man, he's pretty good. He's like he's probably gonna kick in the NFL for like eighteen years. <laughs> I was like eighteen <laughs> years, wow. But it's true, he's probably yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah. one of these guys. Like, it's incredible. Like, um, he's made so he's missed three this year, two over fifty, right? So two of them are over fifty. Um, he's made a a, a sixty-one yarder last year. Mm. He's made thirty-five of his last thirty-eight field goals. <laughs> That's pretty insane. Like, I mean, eat your heart out, Justin Yoon. And Justin Yoon was incredible for Notre Dame. No shade to him, but just like that, wow. like, that is Madden like a next just, level. Yeah. Matt is gonna lose. Just checking mind. to make sure that Matt's listening <laughs> here. So you know what, Jamie? You know what? This is he is a senior and he has a uh he has another year left. 2020. He has a couple years left, actually. He has a couple years, Jamie. Let's go. Let's get him in. Let's get I mean, him in. He, he is one kicker. I, I I actually think in terms of like what NIL, it's not like kickers are bringing in a lot of NIL. Uh, he's a guy who like, if you really needed, like, I mean, I'm sure Georgia would pay money, like big money, you know, the, like yeah, whoever yeah, would pay you. big money for him. Like he, he's that good. Like, I mean, incredible. Like, I, I mean, I have no idea how the Luke Rosa award works and, and who's going to get it. There's probably some other guy who's like perfect on the year or whatever, but like, um, I don't know. I mean, he's, he seems pretty awesome. I say, get him in, find a way NIL yeah. fund. Let's go let's yeah. say, uh, put out the feelers. Um, I've got Notre Dame 44, 10, uh, I, Notre Dame's defense just can overwhelm you. They can completely just, you can do some stuff against them. You just get overwhelmed eventually. There's too much. There's too much stuff they can do. It's so hard with their corners and their secondary and the way that they play. They just shut things down. Nothing's open. You're not. You're yeah. not you know. There's nothing there. And then they could just focus on the running game and their games up front uh, that they can do. And, and Notre Dame, look, I said they feasted on bad defenses all year. And I think with the with the RPO stuff now that they've got in there, um, I think I think Audric Estime is you know, going to be 
uh, motivated given the the snub in the in the Doak Walker. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be forty four ten. Good luck to everyone trying to watch the game. Hopefully, you figure it out. Fubo free trial. Try a free trial with with Fubo. That's what that's probably what I'm going to do. I believe um, I should mention this too. I think if mm-hmm. uh, internationally, the Pac twelve network internationally, you can stream for free on YouTube. So, oh, if you're perfect, if you're out of the country, uh, you can check that out. Let's go. All right. Uh, we're going to end it there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, we'll be back on Saturday for the postgame show, me and Jamie, and, um, and in the morning after recapping everything from there. So have a good uh, rest of the week, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you spend have a great time with your family, eat some really good food. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Keep hitting and hustling.